Welcome to the Witches and Wine audio experience. Hi, Jason. <laughs> this is my boy, Jason Miller. Basically, Jason, he didn't know me. I was a student in his uh, strategic sorcery course. By the way, amazing course for an entire year. You get like a lesson a week through email. I haven't gone through all of them, but uh, I will eventually. And the group, it's like a secret group that you get to join once you also join the course. And the group is amazing. Zero drama, zero, because Jason rules with an iron fist. Taste no drama! <laughs> and it only costs like per week, like the cost of maybe a small coffee. Yeah, like three bucks a week. Yeah, so if you want to see what Jason's offerings are like, but you're like, okay, Storyship Hecate sounds amazing, but eh, I'm not sure, it is kind of expensive. Try strategic sorcery first. You know, it's interesting you bring up the, the price of Sorcery of Hecate because. A lot of what we do in Sorcery of Hecate is comparable to either a Buddhist program or even like a business program where it's like a graduated, very, uh, very precise, deliberate building of, of things over time. And so I looked at the pricing of those programs and I backed it up. I was like, well, you know, what does what getting do trained that? in a Tantra, like, ah. you know, for a comparable length of time cost? And then I kind of backed it down from there. And similar things like, you know, what if, I, what if somebody wanted to go on a seven-month training for, I don't know, management or something? Back it down from there. That's true. I mean, it's basically $25 a week, right? Yeah, it's basically it's $25 a week. And it's you like get, two large pizzas a week. Yeah. You get me answering literally every, every single question. Every single question. And the group is always really active. So it's not like you join a course and the group is dead. No, no, no. It's super active. And the great thing about this course is I think a lot of people... They go into magic and they want to do it like really right. And one of the blocks they have is they want every single detail explained to them, but it's hard to find the details if you're just looking at a grimoire where it was written by people who died hundreds of years ago. Versus this arcana, or Sorcery of Hecate, it is something that was transmitted to you, and you're obviously still here on this plane. For so now. For now. <laughs> And uh, so you can, they can ask you, every student can ask you the most nitpickingest detail if they want it. I love the nitpicky details. I, because, and I'm serious about that because it really means people are doing this, they're putting effort into it. And so if I'm, you know, if I didn't explain something clearly enough, then 
it's going to come up through practice, not through reading, not through thinking about it, but sitting down to doing it is when these things come up. I think when people are doing magic, they kind of take a hodgepodge of everything, and there's no cohesive system. And when you do that, you might be lucky and you might stumble upon like a grimoire that you love and you work it really deep. But again, it's sort of like you have all these questions and you have to spend hours upon hours online like debating on message boards about what, does, what do these barbaric words mean? How do you pronounce them? And again, the people who wrote these grimoires are long dead versus like having this complete system. And I think having a complete system is also more effective simply because it's like, you know, when you put together an outfit and it's like everything coordinates and there's thought put into how this belt matches you know, this matches that. It's kind of like that versus, I mean, if you're going for like the super hodgepodge look, okay. But if you're looking for a more coordinated thing, then I think this is a great way. Like it's a very efficient and streamlined way. Well, it, it's designed to be, and I, I hope it is. I, I get a lot of, I get mostly all good feedback. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I can say with confidence that it works for people um, really well. They, they, they know how to do the thing uh, at the end of the course, which is, I'm big on people knowing how to do the thing. It's, it's more important than getting an initiation, it's more important than a title, it's more important than anything you can buy. I'm really big on people being able to do the thing, whatever the thing is. Right, like practical, not like reading about it and thinking, oh, wouldn't that be cool, I'll start tomorrow. But it's like you have to do something every single day, which is a little bit, I have to say, when I first started, it was a little intimidating, but once you get into the flow, and to be honest, the very bare minimum where you do a mantra, it takes like two minutes to five minutes. Yeah. If it's like on those days where you're just stringing, <clears throat> you know, you, you might do a serious practice one day and then you do a serious practice maybe a few days after that. The minimum commitment of doing the mantra a hundred times a day is there so that you are you have this thread of practice that connects one to the other. It never gets dropped and it builds over time. And so there are certain things that we do towards the end of the course that literally will only work if you've had this thread in place. Uh, and if you miss a day, there are ways to repair this thread. But it's not apologizing to an upset deity uh, we are not sinners in the hands of a wrathful Hecate or anything like that. It really is a mechanistic thing where, you know, we let the thread drop. Well, I was sick, and there's a hundred good reasons, and I've let the thread drop. Um, but you have to then do the reparation to, to reconnect and repair that thread and then keep going. So it's... It's important, but the daily practice is not too much. And what happens is if the work, say, people fall a few lessons behind at the end, I let people retake the course again for free a few times. <laughs> so that uh, if they do fall behind, they can jump on the next cycle, follow along, and catch right back up again. Can I admit something? So I've taken the course 
like like two rounds. Right. This is going to be my third upcoming. Even though I haven't done every single lesson to the end, and yet each each round I take, like I go further and further in the lessons, and I still got results. Like I know some of you guys know that I went to Bali. You know, I was there for like five months and stuff. Jealous. Well, you know what? It was because of your course. Like, Aww. it. I don't think things would have come together as they did. If it hadn't been for, I think just the, even though it wasn't perfect, even though I didn't go all the way to the end and go like, you know, like super like gangsta style, like all the way to the end, the magic that I did, because at the time I was doing it consistently and I was just like, man, I'm doing a shitty job. I'm not, I'm, on, I'm doing like a C minus level. And that C minus combined with really like intense, like mundane work, even that was enough so people who are big perfectionists and I'm a Virgo moon so I know what that looks like even people who are perfectionists you guys have to know that even doing a consistent magical practice imperfectly will yield results you said one of the reasons why you haven't written like a sorcery of Hecate book is that it's sort of like an evolving and living grimoire in a way and I love that it's sort of I'm not somebody who's like a super traditionalist, um, and I'm the type of person who's just like, yeah, if you're gonna use technology in your magic, that's a super cool. And I know that you've had, like you were doing magic as well during like the chaos magic times and stuff. Ah, <laughs> So I feel like you're bringing in sort of like best practices from so many different magical ideas. You know those, those, those halcyon days of chaos spheres and sigils and servitors, it, it it gave a certain freedom mm -hmm. to experiment, and it gave uh, an emphasis back onto what works and what doesn't work. Not so much in a, hey, it all works, let's just mash up the latest TV shows we, we like and make a thing, but more in the, let's evaluate this from the perspective of efficiency, let's evaluate it from the perspective of applicability to the world we're actually living in. Uh, you know, the, the the need for fertility cults and you know crop goddesses is low in my life. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so that kind of thing chaos magic sort of freed me up and then experience in Tibetan Buddhism gave me the experience of uh, a pretty orthodox but also super extensive system of magic to kind of filter that chaos, through that chaos mindset or through that uh, practicality mindset and and looking Jason, can i jump in yeah. here because okay when we first started talking like i knew that you had some you know buddhist like some sort of training there but i had no idea that you are like intensely trained like initiated like spent a long ass time actually abroad doing this i mean a few months of, you know not years and years still, so. still <laughs> like it isn't just like you read a couple of books you actually no. did in-person training this is like 1999 so i i actually saw the millennium come in on a bumpo retreat i can tell a funny story though yeah 
So I was at this Bumpo retreat at a monastery called Tritan Norbutse, which is outside of Swayambunak, where the big stupa is, one of the two big stupas. And it's actually across a big field of weed. But anyway, um, <laughs> so <laughs> we're all there doing this uh, kind of soul retrieval thing. And someone needed some medicine that they left at a hotel in Kathmandu. And they were older, so I volunteered to go back to Kathmandu. And this is New Year's Day now. And so people then are like, see if you can get some news about Y2K. Like, what happened? Did everything shut down? What, you know, was it not a thing? Because people were really paranoid about the Y2K bug. So I came back uh, to the monastery, which has had at that time no phone or, or internet service of any kind. And I was like, guys, it's all over. Like, planes are dropping from the sky. People are trapped in elevators. There's massive power outages as the sun, as the clock turns 12, wherever they are. And people are like, <gasps> and I was like, guys, that makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> So basically, Jason was like a troll, pre-troll. Uh, I was pre-trolling <laughs> at, at a bumpo retreat. It's probably not the best story to tell, but oh, uh, but that's very that's very kind of encapsulates you. One of the reasons why I'm so drawn to your teaching was that you seem very down to earth, and instead of talking about all your qualifications and credentials and blah 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 blah, you were just like, let me show you. Let me give you practical practices. I'm really big on being able to do the thing. And I, I, the initiations, they're great, but I know a lot of initiated people that, you know, they don't do a lot. And then there are also people who are initiated and they're nakbas and they, they're also really hardcore for just that thing. So I, since I teach whatever I want to teach, I, I don't try to represent those people out of respect for, you know, what they do. It's kind of like getting the Gnostic bishop thing, like out of respect for people that make a living as bishops and have, you know, a diocese to run and things like that. I don't walk around in my bishop mitre and things like that, even though... But you can do, like, is there a way to become a bishop without being like so yeah so you there's the Wait, are you one <laughs> i am <clears throat> so much of what you do first of all you're a westerner who went into an eastern tradition so you're building a bridge between these two traditions western occultism eastern and you didn't just go surface level you went deep you were initiated but it's not just one thing you did many different and i know that you've also done a lot of like uh hoodoo stuff and just of course we talked about the chaos magic and so it's like you're more than just somebody at the buffet taking a little bit of some it's like you actually went into and found out how to make each of the dishes and now i can see why truly why when hecate or hecate when she decided to transmit her information it was somebody like you who has such an extensive background in so many different and various and kind of in a way dichotomous practices and that was the reason she gave there's no there's no special prophet halo or anything it's really like you have the skill set i'm looking for at the moment and you're open to weird stuff so here's weird stuff 
and it took you know 15 years for all the weird stuff to get worked out as i would and it took 15 years for you to work it out yeah because i'm not no goodness i i'm i wish i this is not channeled material where it's just like all through me is a perfect vessel it really is like I would get something and then I would work with it and I would put something together and then I would present it at the new moon and get kind of a, nope, try again, do this differently. Um, and mistakes were made and, and back and forth. And I would be like, you know, can't I, can't I send this off to, you know, England and have Zoanon bind it in goat's scrotum and make three copies that sell for a thousand dollars? And they would be like, nope, uh, not, not a book, not, not, uh, as Gordon White would say, not book shaped. Um, and I didn't understand at the time, but now I do that uh, it needs those Q and A's. It needs the course uh, explanation because it's complicated and precise. Can't stress this enough. I went to Bali because I had this magical practice that I was doing daily. If I just did, I think, a one-off spell to go to Bali, I don't think it would have been as successful. I think it's because I had already built this sort of machine this magical machine so that it was able to more easily steer me towards Bali. You know, this cycle in particular, people are mentioning the, the concept of the magical machine, and I love it because I use that term a lot. And this isn't just true for the Sorcery Academy course. This is true for magic. There has gotten to be sort of a, a dial a deity mentality where people are like, I have a problem. I'm going to look in the book, see which deity deals with this problem, and get some advice or just tell them to fix this problem. And, you know, the, the giving it over to Jesus kind of thing is fine if that's, yeah, and people do this with, you know, Hecate, take the wheel, and that's fine. Um, but what we're trying to do, and to my mind, what, what magicians all over the world do, are stand within the machinery of that deity's magic or that spirit's magic and mediate it. They not meditate it, mediate it, like direct it. Um, they become part of the gears of, of Hecatean power and get to control how it's distributed and, and use their own agency for what they want done. That also means that if it's for something that turns out, well, I got it, but it turned out to suck, that's also on you, not on, not, you can't blame the deities. Like, I turned it over to Jesus and turned out this was a terrible idea. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm big into people having their own agency and working magic, like, making a plan that would work and then using magic to help that plan work rather than going give me a plan or hey this week i think it'd be really cool if i can go to bali let me just randomly pick a deity like dial a deity right 
right? And again, I'm an atheist. You know, I'm not somebody who's like, oh, you know, like uh, I don't come from a religious background, and I've been a fervent atheist for most of my life. And yet, what I do believe though is that magic is a, a type of. I guess like science in a way like it is something that is whether you believe it or not there are laws that it's working with and so from that mindset as an atheist i was able to still work with hecate and so be able to get the practical results not just like i feel really good but we're talking i went to bali i got a second degree burn in my bikini because i was in bali and i didn't put on sunscreen and i lived in bali for like four or five months but Hecate didn't give you the burn. The number one question that people ask is, okay, I'm really interested in this course, but how do I know Hecate wants to work with me? I'm really interested in, there's another course you do with St. Cyprian. How do I know I should work with this deity? That's the number one question people ask. I saw a black dog, does this mean Hecate wants to work with me? I like saw a movie and Morgan was mentioned. Does this mean Morgan wants to, you know what I mean? Yeah. So... You know, I think the first thing is, um, again, back to your own agency. Do you want to? You don't, you can, you really can make decisions without it being a divine writ. I know this is a new concept for people, but you can just decide, I want to do this. It's interesting and go and do it. Um, Why do you think people are so intent on seeing signs before they work with the deity? You know, I think they feel like that's how it should happen. And it does happen sometimes. Hecate appeared to me while I was doing, uh, I was at a charnel ground in Pashupadinath. Literally, a charnel ground is where they burn the dead people outside. If you've seen pictures of Varnasi where they burn the dead on the edge of the Ganges. So in Nepal, it's a different town. It's called Pashupadinath. Um, it's sacred to the animal form of Shiva, Lord of the Animals. And uh, it's the Bhagamati River. But it's the same kind of thing, Ghats, where they burn the dead outside. So I spent three days there um, meditating on impermanence like visualizing myself as the body feeling watching the skulls pop and the, like getting to know it so that I could feel it and visualize it as best as I can and so sometime um, during the very first day it would be great if it was on the third day but it wasn't it was on the first day uh, everything kind of just shifted out and this woman with two torches came up and she had muddy feet and I knew she wasn't like a Tibetan or Nepalese Dakini. Like she looked like somebody as solid as me. Yeah. And and she looked, you know, kind of Greco Roman and obviously I've been a magician for a long time. So I have a I have a spiritual past. And I was like, oh, you know, hey, I'm not doing that kind of thing right now. I'm doing this Buddhist shit right now. And uh Hikate's like when you get back, offer a supper to me and we'll, we'll take it from there. And I was like, whatever, I'm doing Buddhist shit. Like from here on out, I'm not going back to, to other magic. And I'm just gonna go home and come right back to Nepal as soon as I can. And obviously none of that happened. And I did in fact return to the wider world of magic. And so I did, I learned a little bit more about Hecate. Um, and I went down to the Pine Barrens and I found a three-way crossroads and uh, laid out an offering. 
and that was the beginning of the Hecate course. So sometimes the spirits do reach out and shake you. So uh, probably next week on the blog I'll be popping out a prayer for people to take for a little spin, a prayer and a mantra. Give it a spin. If this clicks with you, might be a good idea for the course. What do you mean by clicks for If this is something that feels meaningful, feels like it has depth, feels like it touches you in some way. Spiritually, not inappropriate. Inappropriately touched by a spirit. Um, so, so I think a lot of people, they don't, maybe one of the reasons why they're just like, I need a sign, a clear sign, is because they don't trust their, themselves. Trust yourself. I think that's part of pre-requisites maybe of being a seeker, where you don't really trust and you're trying out a lot of different things. So, okay, let's say that next week when you have that blog post, they try out the, the mantra. What are some things they should be looking for to see if they're a good mesh? Uh, you should be looking for a sense of... It's kind of a peculiar sense because Finding a good fit, like feeling, trying something on and having it feel like it fits is part of it. But it's not the whole thing because what if we focus only on that part, we wind up with something that just kind of reflects what we already are. And so it has to, it has to fit who you are, but yet feel like enough of a challenge to grow by. I mean, that's how traditions work. If we if we already agree with everything that the tradition has to say, if we already do everything the tradition says to do, it's kind of pointless. It's just a building a mirror cage for ourselves to reflect ourselves. Um, so it's that kind of feeling. Obviously, if you get uh, spiritual signs, voices, visions, appearances, those are great. Um, and then once we start the course, I'm going to spend the first two months telling you not to pay attention to those too much. Uh, but as a first sign, that is a good sign as well. So, you know, people know if it clicks, to try it on, but also to trust that your interest is a sign, that this came to you as a sign, that, um, you know, you've been led here to this time and this place and this course and this podcast and this person. Oh, as, as a sign, we are overexposed. I like what you're saying about your interest is also a sign. Why? Why of all the millions of things that you could have thought of doing or heard on the internet, whatever? And remember, it's, it's not just interest that's a sign because people conflict from interest to interest. It's interest to say, you know what, I'm going to buckle down and stick with this for seven months. And there's a, there's a whole other part too where people can continue on for another six months to learn even more. But the seven months is gives you the, the grounding that you need to do the thing. Um, and so, 
that's uh, but it takes work. So if it clicks and it hooks you to say, yeah, I want to do this. I want to. I want to stick with this. I'm not going to pick up a book on Arisha's tomorrow and decide to do that. I'm going to stick with this, even if I read a good book on Arisha's. So what happens if? Okay. What would be a feeling that they would get if they're not supposed to work with Eckhart? So, if it felt flat, completely flat, like there's nothing here, you know, uh, the old, you know, here's the church and here's the steeple, open it up, but there's nothing inside instead of all the people inside. Um, if it feels flat, if there's nothing, that's a sign that, you know, this isn't a, a good fit for you or isn't worth you devoting um, anywhere from five minutes to an hour a day, depending on what you want to do in that day, uh, to this. And that's, that's a very real thing. Uh, and you should use discernment over that, you know? Um, but then go out and find the thing that is worth it instead of continuing. How do people find that? Experiment and keep looking. And divination plays a little bit of a role, but I'm actually not a big fan of people divining to see what they should be doing with their lives. I'm a big fan of people thinking about what they want and how to get there and what interests them and then building on that. Uh, maybe using divination to see how to do that in a smart way. Now let me ask you, is it necessary to have is it necessary to do work with a deity to have good results? Like, let's say that somebody's just like, you know what, not, not feeling anybody. Nope. nope. That's an option, guys. You don't have to, like, have, like, a matron deity or whatever. First of all, there are spirits everywhere. Uh, it, it, the world is alive. And, and every atom is impregnated with awareness, I believe. And so... That's such a Walt Whitman thing to say. Okay, I just wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> Hear my barbaric yawp. Um, so, uh, at, this, this awareness coalesces around certain things, which is how we get consciousness both in bodies but also in trees and plants both the, the genius of that type of thing and that in particular one that's in front of you and so you can relate to spirits that way but even then that's not the only way to do magic uh, there i think a lot of people in the grimoire scene think that magic done with internal power is maybe uh some newfangled New Age thinking, but it's really not. Um, you know, Ben Jaffe, who's, you know, you want to talk about somebody who knows Tibetan oh, magic. He knows Tibetan Brilliant. Shout out to Ben. Shout out, Ben. What's up? Oh, ben here with my tantric. No. Uh, so, um, so, you know, we were just talking about a text uh, that I asked him to translate which is essentially just a short book of spells done entirely using 
power generated through inner heat practice. And it includes everything from healing, removing curses, destroying houses, flying, things like that. Did you say flying? I think I get it. Like I'm, flying? I no. I obviously I took a train, but um, yeah. no. But can I just say? Okay, so you know Kung Fu Flicks. You guys have seen the Kung Fu Flicks. Did you watch like the late night ones on like public channels, where like the people are like carrying the palanquin, but they're like flying through the air? All right. So back in the day, supposedly people had built enough chi so that they could do that. So it's not supposed to be like some sort of legend. It's supposed to have been back in the day, like these like expert like monk like palanquin like whatever runners and stuff slash monks. They were able to do it. So tech, when you said flying, I was just like that image that came into my head. So you know, like Muktananda would talk about having students fly or levitate. But what they were doing, um, in Tibetan they call it bop, appropriately. And they, so they would be in full lotus, and then they would just kind of whoosh into the air. Um, and I used to, uh, when I lived at Sogil Gepeljong, which was sort of like a retirement place for old nakbas. Uh, oh, by the way, what are nakbas? Oh, nakbas are... Uh, non-monastic tantric practitioners of Tibetan Buddhism. So basically a monk who can have sex? Yes. Okay. Right. Well, and they grow their hair long and they wear different robes. Uh, okay. And they drink. And, like, there's long and broken tradition of Nakba families. There are Nakba colleges. And, and okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. Okay. And you are a Nakba? I, I am a Nakba. But I'm not like as awesome as the guys that I do. So, anyway, I used to eat breakfast with uh, this old Nakba Lama uh, Jampa. Uh, and he used to sit in full lotus on his bed and he'd eat cereal, and then all of a sudden he'd just like whip up into the air. Oh my God. And he, it's a combination of his leg and the prana that he's now forcing down out of his body whoosh up and there's like a slight unfolding and then refolding in the air and then slamming back down right on his junk and uh, technical term and then uh, the prana moves up then it's a way to get the, the inward prana that usually flows down to excite it even more to flow up so that it melts the wisdom drop the oh, it's a whole big thing but oh my god there's a yoga behind so yeah I, I heard that okay you know like jet lee that actor he trained as a monk in taiwan for many years so the monastery that he trained at i mean we're talking generation after generation of monks doing tai chi in the morning so if you go visit the monastery the ground where they practice on is a little bit more depressed than the rest of the ground because of the hundreds of years of monks practicing tai chi it's yeah so I mean, when we talk about things like magic and stuff, that's one of the reasons why, even though I was like such a materialist, such an atheist, I was like, there are things like that, observable things like that, that made me think, okay, there's something more to at least the energy body, right? And one of the things that we do in the Sorcerer of Hecate is work with the energy body. We do. Hecate. We do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, without revealing the, the, the tech of it, 
uh, there are repeated chants that we start off with right from day one. Um, and so then there are ways to move this, not only as a spoken thing, but as uh, an etheric or an astral uh, really both construct that moves in certain ways at first in your body and then between you and Hecate between other spirits in this enormous retinue that we'll be building and so that goes back to the whole magical machine it's not literally like a psionic device or something like Uncle Chucky would build it's it's a um, it's a movement that you're taking part in you know, before I went into magic, I was doing a lot of intense chakra work. And so there's one thing that we do in the Sorcery of Hecate that kind of reminds me of that, but it's like a merging of chakras in a way. And that to me was one of the most powerful, powerful exercises. And it was when I was doing that exercise on the daily that I started to see things in my life move. We're talking like crazy, fast, noticeable movement. So, well, I don't want to talk too much. Ah, yes. We must keep our secrets. Oh, that's right. There is a vow of secrecy when it comes to this course. Now, you know what? So here's a good thing. So there, there are. I'm probably going to write a post on about the vow of secrecy. And so there are two reasons. There's, of course, the course, of course the course, is secret because I teach it and... It's uh, your intellectual property. It's my intellectual property and this is how it's distributed, etc., etc. So um, there's that aspect. But more importantly, whenever there is a result that people get, the reputation of a teaching is protected by the secrecy because if, if it was to just kind of, well, you know it now, go and go tell it on the mountain, write a book about it, do whatever, and it's not presented right or it's just thrown out there in a book and somebody can open the book and go, I'm going to do this thing that ordinarily would be in month six, but I'm going to do it first thing. Oh, that didn't work. That was garbage. You know, so the reputation of the teaching actually becomes damaged by people not doing it correctly. Um, and so that's yet another aspect to secrecy. This actually makes complete sense to me because everything builds. It's very much like you start off here and then every week there's another layer. Skipping, that's one of the reasons why like I haven't like fully like gone through the entire like thing, the 12 lessons or so, because even though I read each lesson, I couldn't skip from lesson 7 to 10. Even if 10 had the stuff that I was really interested in, I couldn't skip. No, you gotta work your way there. You gotta there. work your way up through it. It's, it's, uh, strategic sorcery course, the email course for a year, that's like you can jump around and do whatever and, and things like that. And some other courses I get, you can bounce around. Uh, but this course in particular is a graduated system of seven to 13 months, depending on how how hardcore you want to be. Mm, and I think it works really well that way. Again, it's like there's a system. There's yeah. an actual, like, somebody basically telling you, this is how to do the complete 
Arcana. This is how to do the complete system and everything builds and everything matches. Everything works together really well. And again, like even if you go up to like lesson seven, <laughs> and you know, like for the past two rounds, okay, the first round, I think I went up to lesson five. The, the second cycle that I did, I went up to lesson seven. So, okay, progress, right? Hopefully next round, I'll go up to lesson nine, lesson 10. So, but again, it's like everything built on each other. And because I've been doing this now for about two years, even that itself. And I've talked to another student in the course, Terra Firma. Hey, shout out to you. What's up? And he was one of the first students, right? In one of the what? first rounds. And he's been doing it for a long time. So even if he's doing just the daily practice, the years, we're talking about, you know, like the gently monastery, the, the ground being depressed, the years of building up the daily mantras. In a way, like, you know, when we were talking about how do you know I should work with Hecate? To me, it's more like work with her and see what happens. And well, you'll if you take the course, we consecrate the key as a ritual tool, and uh, it, it's over there, so I can't pull it up. But it's uh, you know, we've we've got a special rosary that we make about midway through the course. So if you're if you read about mantras and you're like, well, what do I count these on? For now, anything like a string of beads, a, a Buddhist mala. Chutki, which is like a, a string of knots in Greek Orthodox. Whatever you got is fine, because later on in the course we make something really awesome. This uh, this this rosary of snake bone and human bone and keys. And that's another reason why I think this course, even if you're just like, I don't know if a Pecate is like gonna be like forever, you know, just the fact that you're learning how to consecrate. You're learning a lot of basic magical skills. So here are some things that I feel that I learned. Basic magic skills that I learned. Meditation from the course. I learned meditation from the course. Um, visualization. That's big. Uh, discipline. Consecration. I know. That's... Fifty Shades of Hecate. <laughs> Actually, there is, is doesn't she well, look like a whip? She like, does, yeah, in one of the first. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to my red room of ritual practice. Guys, I don't like, know why I'm talking like that. Like, like. Well, you know what? Like, it's an intense thing. It's like super intense. And like, I always shied away from intense spiritual things. So I was just sort of like, oh, you know, this might feel comical to me because I'm an atheist. But it didn't feel comical. Instead, it felt like just like hard work <laughs> because it is hard work. So it's like the meditation part, the focus part, was such a huge boom to just all my magical practice. Also, you learn how to make really good spells, I think. Um, also, you learn how to actually create magic materials. Um, you, learn to, you learn how to work with oils. You learn how to work with uh, herbs if you want to. You learn how to work with different aspects of a deity so you're not like getting stuck in one way of thinking. Uh, you learn the importance of vocalization versus just putting it in your head or just saying oh, things in your head. big time. Yeah, get out of your head. Get, you know, Say it time. out loud. Big time. 
So there were so many basic skills that I was able to learn, and I'm, I feel very lucky that, you know, I've been in this magic thing for like two and a half years, three years, and I found your course, like Strategic Sorcery, and then Sorcery Packaging early on. So I feel as though whatever results that I had where I used magic, it, I had really good results, like really big results for like a newbie. <laughs> because I was able to use these advanced techniques. And if I had questions, I can just be like, Jason, like in the group, Jason, why this? And I think one of my questions to you was just like, I use like Instagram as like uh, a context for like my question. And you were just like, ha ah, yeah. You know, like, so you don't have to ask these like serious questions, you know, and prove your intellectual worth. You can ask him like the most dumbest question and he'll answer it. I will, I, I will necessarily be <laughs> uh, but but that's part of your charm, Jason. You know, I I also don't believe in like read all the Q and A's, right? I, I don't believe in blowing sunshine on people's ass. So I'll be blunt. Like if I think there's some tough tough news that we need to get across, I'm just gonna be like, look, man. That's just wrong. <laughs> and here's why. I'm not just going to say, you know. Uh, it's very down to earth. And I think because you're so um, invested in us having results, you know, this isn't just something to practice. Just, I mean, you could, I guess, but there's a lot of emphasis in the later lessons on how to actually figure out what you want to happen in your life. And then using the arcana in a way that helps you get to that point and working with Hikate in a way that helps you get to that point so it isn't just like years and years of just doing meditation just the what just to meditate yeah and when is she going to show me what i need to do as waiting for you <laughs> yeah yeah and just the fact that you also constantly tell us like how we're supposed to view hikate in the most healthiest way and you know i think a lot of magic is very codependent and you're constantly reminding people stop being so codependent with your deities yeah and that makes your magic results shit because it's so unhealthy and so it's a healthy healthy form of magic you're developing a healthy relationship i think one of the things the themes of this channel i want to go to bali oh you have to so go to bali entire like vibe of like especially and I think I mentioned in a couple of posts where every single day, multiple times a day, Balinese people are giving offerings, literal offerings to the land spirits. And they will even say the reason why Bali doesn't have as many earthquakes as the island of Java, as other islands, is because of these daily offerings appeasing the land spirits. Offerings are a big deal. Offerings are big. And in every single household, there's a family, like, Basically, it's like a temple, a private temple where they venerate their ancestors. So you have ancestor veneration, you have offerings to local spirits, two of the most basic tenets yep. of magic. So, and this is happening several times a day. Every dark moon, they go to a, the local temple. Well, we're moving up to the mountains now. So once we get settled in. Oh, it's almost like summers in Bali. Skiing in Vermont. Skiing in Vermont. <laughs> in the wintertime. No, but, you know, when we need a week or so, skip out to Bali. Mm -hmm. That's a good idea. And you know what? I honestly feel as though my one of the great things about working with a deity, 
not only when you need something from her or him, but just on a daily, building a relationship. I think that also Hikate, she she helped me like go towards Bali because it is such a magical place. I could have gone to let's say Singapore, I could have gone to Kuala Lumpur, but why did I go to Bali? And it just came into my mind one day. And it was actually in Bali that I did a lot. We're talking a lot, a lot, a lot of Hikate magic. Because it was a great place to do it. It was by the beach, which is a very liminal place. I was in Ubud, the cultural center, where magic is being done several times a day. So when you are working with a deity, I feel as though your life in general takes on this grace. It's, yeah. You know, it, it takes on this natural grace. It does. And it takes... It takes more than just the intent. It takes really doing doing the work and, and the offerings and so on. And that, that sort of... It's, it's serendipity more than commandments and signs and where should I be? And sometimes you will get the, the big, you know, go west, young man. Um, kind of sign, but these these those kinds of moments I can count on one hand in my life where it's like direct, clear. This is what I want you to do. Do I need to write it out for you? Because I can write it out for you. Um, kind of kind of messages, and the rest of it. Uh, there's a serendipity where because you are part of the retinue of that deity now, there is that grace that you live in and dwell in and channel through you and mediate here that becomes your job. I like that. Yeah, it's almost like, you know when you become like really good friends with somebody and they're just like, hey, I just heard about this opportunity, you know, and they hear about it first. It's kind of like that. You just get in the, you know what I mean? You're in the, you're in the know. You're in the know. Because you get the inside trading, but without the Martha Stewart jail sentence. Although I hear that she had a great time in jail. Really? Yeah, it was like a vacation for her. Awesome. Yeah, it's like, you know, nobody expected her to do anything because it's sort of like she's in jail. And she held like, she gave classes on how to like cook and stuff. By the way, oh my God, did you know that prison um, channels are a big thing on YouTube? Like these are people who once they get out of jail, these are women who say, this is what I made in prison. Like in terms of like, I made prison burritos with these ingredients. This is how I looked glamorous in prison. Oh my God, that's This is awesome. like a big community. And like they're getting, like, this is the fastest growing segment I think on YouTube. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, Martha Stewart, if she made prison videos, she'd be like killing two birds with one stone. They'd be like Martha Stewart, whatever. But also, like, kind of like taking ownership of this sort of time that she had, which seems like she didn't have an awful time either. Yeah, no. She, she absolutely would make the best of she any really situation, would. and you can't tell her not to. They would have to put her in solitary to get her to stop. You know, know right? teaching and making. Martha. Seriously, Martha is like super like goals. Hashtag goals because it's like, okay, this is sort of one of my theories where um, I think that a lot of the most effective magic people, they may not obviously seem like witches, 
and yet, come on now, Martha Stewart, her glamour magic is on point. So. Marie Kondo, well, she's a Shinto priestess, right. but still on point. Kim Kardashian, everybody loves to hate her, but it's like also glamour magic. That entire Kardashian family, glamour magic on point. Doing a lot of legit work for prisoners. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Everybody loves to shit on her, and I'm just like, hello. They may not call themselves witches, and yet what they're doing is, and by the way, the Kardashians, they're very into like that new age stuff, so I'm sure they're doing some sort of energy manipulation. Point is, is that I feel as though people get really caught up on these labels and they're just like, what deity should I work with? Oh my God, you know, like, am I a witch? Am I not a witch? Am I, you know, what should I do? They get so caught up in that. But what about the results? That's what's important, the results. Big time. And the actual work that you do. All these celebrities we just mentioned, they did the mundane work. And I love how you say it's like 80% mundane work and 20% magic. You're just tipping the scale so that something that was like maybe gonna happen, it's basically guaranteed to happen. Yeah. And things that are very difficult to happen. You know, now you've moved it within the spell, within the sphere of probability. Like now this can happen. Um, so it's it's a scale tipping. We're working with probability. But this is what to me is what your course is also about. It's like learning how to be realistic but ambitious with your magic. And there's a huge difference, I think, between ambition and just delusion. And the fact that you have a teacher, somebody who is still alive, not some grimoire author who died hundreds of years ago, centuries ago, somebody who's still alive, you can ask questions to, and somebody who's gonna be kind of like, somebody who's gonna be like, dude, like chill, you know? Like, what you're saying, it's getting into the point of, oh, you know, like, chill. In Bali, there's a saying that if you are going to learn a spiritual practice without having a teacher, you might become crazy. You might become that person who talks to trees because you don't have somebody to ground you. So they say it's important that you have a teacher. Yes. That is true. Mm -hmm. I, I, it can be taken too far. I went, I, you know, I, I, big ups to the people who have no particular teacher and they're, they're doing it for themselves. There's nothing wrong with that. And for me, I always look for mentors. More, more than a group. Before uh, we got together, I, I got to have lunch with uh, Lama Vajranatha, a.k.a. John Mearden Reynolds, the, as far as I know, the first Westerner ever to be given Nakba robes by Dijamut Bashay. Um, and a friend of mine since I was 17, 18? Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, long, long time. John and I now go back. Um, and so, uh, you know, He's a longtime mentor, and, and some Cliff Pollock, and, and when I look back on my life, less than the orders that I joined, or the, the, the bishop stuff, thank you Sean Knight for making me a bishop, and, um, and, and uh, you know, the, the Nakba uh, blessings and so on, it's, it's the, the mentors. 
and uh, I can't mentor at scale. So the, this kind of course is like the next best thing where there's a lesson one week, the next week I will go and answer every question that gets asked on that page. I mean, and also, it's interesting that in each Q&A, your answers evolve. It's the same question. So I also like the fact that it's not like it's the same answer from, let's say, maybe cycle two to cycle seven. It's an evolving report. So... Hopefully I don't contradict myself, but I probably do. But as an atheist, that actually, to me, just seems far more legit. That as you get transmitted more information, sometimes it's going to contradict because the thing just gets more mature. And that's just part of what it is. That's one of the reasons why, as an atheist, I'm so like, I don't know, just, I get a bad taste in my mouth about something that hasn't changed for a thousand years. Yeah. You know, you want things to evolve. By the way, I don't know why, but this Lana Del Rey music that's playing at this restaurant, it's, to me, it feels very Hecatean, for whatever reason. Oh, she's very Hecatean. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, coincidence? I don't know, but... It's very the, witchy, Lana uh, Del Rey. Like, an amazing soundtrack for us talking about Hecate. So, let me first make ourselves a little lighter. There we go. Oh, technology is so amazing. So I don't think we're over. Oh, slightly over. Uh, okay. So, if you were to choose three songs, excluding Lana Del Rey, three songs or three artists that represent Hecate for you, who would it be? I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say Bjork is the first one that comes to mind. There's something very uh, filled with the spirit of going beyond. Mm. Which is which is the nature of Hecate, never nailed down, always going beyond. You know, a goddess who is who is this very imminent and personal deity that you can, you know, get to curse your neighbor's horse in in the games by writing a Defixione tablas, but also at the same time this extremely cosmic fully transcendent deity from the chaldean oracles um, and so there's this element of going beyond hecate also has this very heavenly aspect this soteria uh, aspect and there's a group called the innocence mission with this very ethereal singer. I would say she's uh, right in there for that aspect. And then, you know, there's just this this down and dirty witchcraft aspect of it. Hold on, let's get technology involved. <laughs> Satanic doo-wop. My phone is like, what? Twin Temple. Oh, 
yeah, my last trip to Vermont, I was riding in, listening to, you know, satanic doo-wop. Uh, and I, I really dug it. I really listened. And, and there for that very down and dirty witchcraft aspect of, uh, of Hecate. I love it. And by the way, I just glanced over. What's this? I only have one tattoo. And it's a, you know, so this is called a, it's a sungwa. It's for, um, it actually is a, for attracting evil spirits and then dismantling them and disarming them. So, um, yes. So the left arm of uh, of a form of, of Guru Rinpoche, he holds a scorpion, and uh, this goes back to an old tradition where, when the Nakba, when the Buddhists were being persecuted by King Lang Dharma, um, there. I can't remember the Nakba's name now. Joel's going to yell at me because I can't remember the name. It's terrible. Uh, so anyway, there was this Nakba who, when they came for him, uh, because they were trying to reinstitute uh, Vaughn in Tibet. And uh, so they came to persecute him, and they accused him of sin. And whatever word that it is for sin that they used is the same as the word for scorpion. So he generated this gigantic nine-eyed scorpion in the air. And so uh, then, you know, he attacked. And so King Langdharma said, well, we're not going to mess with these Nakba guys. We'll just pick on the monks. And so the, the Nakbas with the long hair and the white robes got to keep practicing and practice. I'm imagining right now, you know, like the Scorpion King, that movie with like yeah, the rock? Yeah, the rock. Him with nine eyes. Nice. Yeah, just being like, yeah, not buzz, do your thing. So, my best friend is a tattoo artist, uh, Baker Street Tattoo in Media PA. Uh, if you ever get down Philadelphia Way, go check out Matt Brownlee down there. Jay Goldberg owns the shop. Tattoos, give me one. That's his ringtone. That's my ringtone. The last time we did a Sanctuary of Hecate video, Megan, she won a scholarship to this upcoming round. Welcome, Megan. How about another Witches and Wine Sorcery of Hecate scholarship? Are you down for that? I'm down for it. So if you would like to get a scholarship to be able to take this upcoming course, which starts on June 3rd, then please leave a comment on how you think this course, this on June 3rd, starting from June 3rd and it goes for seven months, how you think you'll be able to work this arcana and what you feel as though you can contribute, not just to your own life, but let's say to your community. Because one of the things that I really loved about what Megan said in her comment was about how she was going to take her more magical self after doing this arcana, and she was going to help her community, and I was super touched by that. And I think that's one of the things that I've learned from doing magic is that when you have a lot of great things coming your way, it really is a pleasure to let that spilling of an overflowing of abundance kind of like spread it around. And one of the things I've noticed is that you're very generous with your time. Shout outs to other practitioners of magic. 
And I think that is a natural side effect of when you feel as though you have a lot of abundance in your life. It, it's, it's important. It's important to give back. It's, it's, it's another pillar um, of, you know, you get your, you get your magic shit straight, you get your money shit straight, you get your love shit straight. And then you, you have to get your community shit straight. I mean, what fun is it to be, you know, the only person doing well in a community? Or the oh, only sucks. person who has their shit together? And, you know, you, you wind up like in a Phil Oak song where you're just walled up, you know, in some gated community while, while they're... No good. Give back to the community you're in. It's super important. Um, it speaks to that, since we've been mentioning Buddhists so much, it speaks to that idea of uh, dedicating merit, that the, the merit accumulated by this practice should be dedicated to the perfected transformation of all beings, and thereby you accumulate even more merit by giving it away. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't do a lot of activist magic or some, something like that. We actually keep politics entirely out of any of my courses. My own personal pages, I'm political as fuck. But, and disagree with literally everyone. But, um, so, um, I'm on an island of my own. But, um, in the courses, there's there's zero discussion. I have banned people I, I completely agree with just because it's not the place. We don't do that here. But that doesn't mean that it's not important. It's it's really important. Speaking of, of certain communities, you're headed to my old one of my oldest friends' organization. She's putting together the Magical Women's Conference in London. Who's the best? I'm going to this conference. It's June 1st. It's sold out, guys. So sorry. Uh, Here I was trying to pimp the conference, and it's sold out. But we were talking about. I love how we go off on tangents. Uh, we were talking about a scholarship. So please tell us in the comment below why you feel as though you would be a good representative to get the scholarship. What you will do with this magic. Uh, if you look at the previous uh, Hecate interview that I did with Jason, I'll link it up somewhere around here, and you read Megan's comments, and her comment was amazing, you know, talking about how magic has affected her and what she plans to do with that magic. I'm really interested to hear what you want to do with what you learned from this course, and Jason and I will choose one that really speaks to us. So please comment down below. And we'll choose somebody in the next two weeks so that you'll be able to take this upcoming June course. And of course, if you'd like to take the course, um, just in general, it's sort of like it's a great investment. It's an amazing investment. The course starts June 3rd, it's seven months. It's going to be a lot of work, but all good things come with a lot of work. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot of work, but. It's not like it's not like being in school. Where it's right, like, you're not learning you're calculus like, oh, and being like, "How shit, am I going to write this a paper <laughs> for Jason, or he's going to give me an F?" Right. I don't give a grade. There's no cert. I've gotten there's no certificates. You it's, can you know you, you can say you did it, and if somebody's like, "Did they do it?" I'll look it up. You're like, "Yeah, I did it." But right. I'm not checking. It's about because I really only care that you can do the thing. 
It's all about that thing. It's all about that thing. It's all about that thing. Okay. That's the Lauren Hill song. What's it called? That door that song? Thing, that thing. Yeah, right? That was a good song. What happened to Lauren I know what happened to Lauren Hill. But... Yes. No. Bad non-tax payment thing. But she's out. This is something where if you do the mundane work, and then you do magic that's effective, and you take um, courses or you read books, like the ones that Jason puts out, and if it speaks to you and you like really work it, like you do a thing, like you're able to take your life next level. And so I never hesitate to recommend your courses, your books, and just your interviews in general. Well, I love wine and I love witches, so thank you for having me on. Thank you, Jason. And uh, cheers, this is the last of the wine. And remember, scholarship. Please put in the comments below what you feel that you could contribute to the world if you took sorcery back day. And we will choose one person. One person. One person. Who I feel, and we feel. Unless was, there's like two really good answers. Yeah, if then there's it like really two awesome, people. Yeah, it's really discussion of, you know, Jason here. Of the next cycle that's opening up June 3rd. And you can find more information about sorcery Hecate. I'm going to put the links down below. And also strategic sorcery. If you're not ready to, you know, comment below, or you're not ready to invest, you know, it's a hefty sum of money. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, start off with sorcery of Hecate. Uh, start up with strategic sorcery, and it's a year-long course. It's every week you're getting something through email, an email, and a community, and a community. You get to join the secret group, a group filled with amazing practitioners. Not yeah. just armchair practitioners, real practitioners. Um, some of the magicians that I respect the most are in this course. And now we're doing a monthly Q and A, like on the just just not recorded. Just every month, I throw up a Q and A and I answer it as we go through. So it's also in strategic sorcery yeah. that course in the group plus sorcery packete. So yeah, and Jason is super accessible. I mean, he's sitting with me. I like I'm barely like two three years into my magic journey and yet you know he's like kind enough to sit with me um, so yeah like I totally recommend his courses I totally recommend his books his financial sorcery book guys like I increased my income I think like 200% after doing virtual yeah and uh, I use his Jupiter talismans and yeah, I can't recommend his courses enough. And you know, I know it sounds like I'm fangirling, but it's because I actually got results. I got real results. We're talking about super like hardcore atheist here, and I'm sort of like magic. It's like whatever, but it's like I got results from what you did, and therefore I feel as though it's irresponsible for me not to tell the world. Try just because I got results when I was just like I don't believe in any of this shit. I I I am blushing, and thank you. I, I don't like to sing a song of myself to bring it back to Whitney, but so I'm really happy. You totally deserve it. You totally deserve it. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Witches and Wine audio experience. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting me on Patreon. You can choose between a few membership tiers, they're super affordable and flexible. Your membership helps me continue making videos, podcasts, articles, lots of different things about all the sweet witchy stuff. Links are in the show notes. Also, don't forget to go on iTunes and give this a five-star rating. 
each five-star rating helps rank this podcast higher in searches so that as many witches can find and enjoy these episodes as well. Until next time, this is Chawan signing off. <laughs>